Welcome back and welcome back to this, our 53rd show. Uh, each time uh, here at Palestine Deep Dive, we have a special focus on the Middle East, what's happening. And obviously we look very uh, closely and carefully at what is happening uh, in the Palestinian territories. Uh, and we take a wider view, uh, too, uh, at uh, what's happening internationally. And um, we're very much looking forward for all of you joining us, sending in your questions. Uh, we're keen to hear from as many of you as possible. My name is Mark Seddon. I used to work for Al Jazeera as a UN correspondent. I then worked for the United Nations for the Secretary General Ban Ki-moon and more recently for a president of the General Assembly. But far more importantly than any of that is our guest, Mona Jataya. Back with us again. Delighted to see you, Mona. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Mona's in London. And thanks uh, for having me. Not at all. And we're going to be, um, we're going to be, I think we're already getting questions. You can probably hear my phone pinging. Uh, but um, thank you so much, Mona. And for those of you uh, who are joining us for the first time, who perhaps didn't, uh, haven't uh, uh, come across Mona before, here's a little bit of a background on her. Uh, Mona is a Palestinian digital rights defender and works as an advocacy advisor at Hamla, the Arab Center for the Advancement of Social Media. And she's also a non-resident scholar with the Middle East Institute Cyber Program and an MA candidate in social media and digital communications at the University of Westminster. And we are going to be focusing very much today on deep state surveillance uh, the, the, what the Israeli state is doing uh, and the experience of Palestinians uh, who are facing this surveillance, but also others outside, including possibly us. But look, what we should do, if, if, if we don't mind, Mona, before we get into all of that, there has been today, you'll be aware, this um, major development, this, uh, this court decision in Israel, um, which is... Uh, they've, they've decided, this Israeli court, that there are at least a, a, a thousand Palestinians, and I think in, in half a dozen villages, who are going to have to be moved out of the way to make way for a military uh, testing ground, a, a uh, firing range, I think. I think the firing range has been there for some time. But I just wanted to ask you what your reaction to that is to begin with, and also just explain to us, how is it possible for a court in Israel to pronounce on land in occupied Palestinian territories, and to and to be determined to to push a thousand odd Palestinians, possibly more, from their land. I think this. You'll tell me if I'm wrong. This is one of the biggest um, uh, expulsions of Palestinians from their land for for quite some time. Yeah, as you mentioned, that like this is a huge thing for Palestinians because like having such decision, like since that last year, like this is part of the systematic oppression that we Palestinians are exposed to. And since the last year, when the Israelis also were trying to forcibly displace people from Sheikh Jarrah, families from Sheikh Jarrah and from their homes there, the, it was a big issue and people were like, talking about that, spreading that, sharing and amplifying their voices and talking about what's happening there. But this is not the first time that's happening because it systematically happened uh, also in other places in the Palestinian territory because all of the Israeli settlements are built in the same way. I'm personally coming from Salfit. Salfit, it has like one of the biggest settlement outposts where 
we have like a couple of settlements and they if you just look at google maps you can see that those settlements who were like which was built on our own land my grandparents land is now bigger than my own hometown selfie and you can see how they are forcibly displace us and ethnically cleansing us just to build their 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 illegal settlements and just to have those lands to test their their military services and their military products and and other like and other kind of uh, of military uh, activities that they are like exercising and this is not new we palestinians have been exposed to such things since 1948 and 1967 and so on because like we have the nakba and the nexa and other other things and till now we we are exposed to same systematic uh, uh practices like which basically aim to ethnically cleanse palestinians from their homelands Mona, what's the expectation of, of Palestinians who have learned after this long battle uh, uh, against with the Israeli courts and what have you, that they're going to lose their homes, they're going to lose their villages? What is the expectation from them, uh, from the international community and also from uh, citizens around the world? So basically, we as Palestinians, we usually have this kind of demand that people can change that. People like who are watching us, who are hearing this, this um the session they can change that they can put pressure on their governments on their uh, representatives on their mps congressmen congresswomen just to change that to, to stop this awful awful uh, uh practices from the uh, from the israeli uh, regime uh, against us palestinians and try to stop them this is one thing but the other thing it's also about creating a progressive movement and built on what's happening in Palestine, amplify Palestinian stories, amplify Palestinian voices. It's really sad to see Palestine trending for, for one month last year in May, and then no one is speaking about that. We we are not done yet. We, we did not like, like, Sheikh Jarrah is still uh, threatened, like people there are still threatened. Gaza Strip is still under siege, and this year, this summer, marked the 15 years of siege on Gaza Strip, and, and many others, like the illegal settlements, are still expanding on our homelands. We are now going to talk about surveillance. We are still like the biggest laboratory for the Israelis to test their surveillance technologies on us before selling that worldwide, worldwide and profiting from occupation. So people can change that. People can take action. They can tell their members, their, their representatives to stop that and to take action and to just like anyone can do anything including amplifying Palestinian voices and spreading the Palestinian narrative. And just be aware about like how the media coverage is being done. Like we've been criticizing that for the past month. We see how, how, how escalations on the ground were covered in the international mainstream media and how they are using their terms. So people can change that. They can follow Palestinian people, amplify their voices, and also share what they are seeing there from the Palestinian voices, not from like the biased, uh, the biased uh, um, media, or um, or like just sharing news that they don't know. Like, I mean, it's 
quote unquote objective because there is like kind of power relations there. There is an occupier and occupy the colonizer and the colonized people. And we should reflect that in our communication and news uh, and, uh, and as well as our tweets and social media content. So people should take that into consideration when they are talking about Palestine. Well, well, Mona, in recent weeks, we've been focusing also on what's been happening in Ukraine, which is happening at lightning speed with people being driven from their homes and villages uh, and uh, a, a kind of ethnic cleansing going on there. And we've been contrasting the reaction of the many of the countries, and especially in the West, to what is happening in Ukraine, uh, to what's happening in Palestine. And of course, um, you know, people are already sending in questions, by the way, on all of this, and we'll come to them in a minute. But look, if I may, before we go to some of these questions, the, the title of the show uh, is uh, Nowhere to Hide. Um, you'll recognize that because I think um, recently you wrote a piece for the Middle East Institute and you um, you described, uh, the, the, you talked about Jeremy Bentham. Um, Jeremy Bentham, uh, here we are, look, here's the piece, The Impact of Israel's Digital Surveillance Regime on the Palestinians. Jeremy Bentham, for people who are interested, you can still go and see him. Uh, he gets wheeled out uh, every now and then. He's he's in a wardrobe. He's kind of like Lenin. He's kind of he's kind of preserved. But anyway, he did come up with this, uh, this idea, which he described as the panopticon. And is that, could you explain what you were talking about in that article, how you relate uh, Israeli surveillance to um, 18th century Jeremy Bentham and his panopticon? Yeah, basically, um, the panopticon is just to simplify that and to explain that for people who who have never like or who are not really aware of what is a panopticon the panopticon is basically a mechanism of social and psychological control it's like basically it it's it, it talks about a prison a rounded prison that have like a prison cells and in 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 the center of this prison it has like a, a a tower a watching tower where the guard is standing there and they have like a very highlight um they are exposing the slide or they are using the slide just to make sure that they can see what the prisoners are doing but prisoners cannot know or they don't know if someone is watching them or not because this light is really strong enough not to let them know what's happening behind that and this is basically what we palestinians are exposed to in the ground we are being watched and surveilled like on every single thing that we are doing uh if we are walking in the streets with the cctv cameras if we are using our phones with the spywares if we are on the internet and the surveillance on the on the on the digital spaces and even if we bought a new device and it's going somewhere, for example, in, to Gaza Strip, or if it's being used like, or even if we are just crossing a checkpoint, a military checkpoint in the West Bank, we are also being surveilled and monitored. We are going to talk about that in, into details, but basically, we Palestinians are living now in the postmodern panopticon. It's been updated and it's been like they utilize the technology to update or upgrade the concept of panopticon and just to make us feel that we are surveilled all the time and trying to behave based on that and to adapt our behaviors based on that. Can you tell us something a little bit about the the type of surveillance? Because um, you know, here in 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 Britain and elsewhere, we've been reading in recent months about this Pegasus spyware and how this company has 
hawked its um, goods all over the world. And there have been all other governments that have bought into it because they've soon seen that it's rather useful for spying on their own dissidents. Can you tell us something about that, um, about Pegasus uh, and about the type of surveillance, the specific types of surveillance that Palestinians are facing? Okay, so let's try like from zooming out the type of surveillance that we are exposed to. Basically, Palestinians are exposed to multi-layer surveillance uh, because we have like surveillance on daily life. This is like where we are like just exposed, exposed to surveillance, as I mentioned on the checkpoints, CCTV cameras and other things. We have also uh, surveillance for like spyware surveillance where they are like trying to uh, to uh, threaten human rights defenders, political opponents uh, um, and other uh, human rights organizations just to shrink the civic spaces for work. We are, on the other hand, we have many other kinds of we have the facial recognition which basically was being like developed and i i i don't i don't know if you are aware but like two years ago microsoft was going to invest millions of dollars in anyvision which is an israeli company trying to develop the facial recognition uh, technique and test that on palestinians before selling that worldwide and after a huge campaign a, an international campaign uh, advocacy campaign they put pressure on on microsoft to uh, to stop this investment in anyvision and they stopped that so because of that people can change things they can put pressure and they can yeah. like yeah they can respond to the call to actions and they can support that to stop uh, such companies and governments from doing so. We are going to talk more about Pegasus. I'll start like from Palestine and then going to the outer world. Let's start from what happened in last November when six of Palestinian human rights defenders were exposed to or their phone, mobile phones were infected with Pegasus spyware. And basically, those uh, Palestinian human rights defenders, they discovered that like through uh, frontline defenders, the, the organization and like because they were they, they doubt that they have something. And after they check their phones, they discovered that they have it. And we know that this is just like it's threatening them. It's affecting their own like life. It's affecting the, it's, it's an invasion for their right to privacy, mm -hmm. as well as it's affecting their right to freedom of expression because when people know that they are being surveilled or watched they are changing their behavior they are censoring themselves the other people they have a chilling effect so they won't continue sharing whatever they want to share because they are afraid of being censored or surveilled on the online spaces so that said that means that surveillance is really like putting like restricting uh, and threatening our uh, our human rights which is like and our digital rights and if we just look at, like if we just make a zoom out and look at the world we can see also other governments who are just like collaborating with the Israeli government and mm. with the Israeli surveillance corporates to buy uh, such surveillance techniques and to use that against their human rights defenders, political opponents, journalists. We've seen like many cases in the UAE, in Saudi Arabia, in Morocco, and in many other countries in the Arab region where those regimes basically are buying such 
such spywares to spy on their political opponents. And last, like in the in the just in the past couple of, of days, uh, it, it was revealed about a new cases uh, where uh, there there was around uh, two hundred. A mobile phone and basically more than 200 Spanish mobile numbers were selected as possible targets for surveillance by NSO group clients. Like they believe that it might be to be Moroccan according to the data leaked at the heart of Bigasso's project. So basically, it's now being used widely. It's also being used against diplomats, against officials and that kind of like we've seen like a groundbreaking um investigations by amnesty international by citizen lab and by other human rights organizations where they revealed about hundreds of of names and of people who were exposed or infected by nso biggest by nso and well yeah. Mona, yeah. if I may, we've, we've got a, a question here. This is from Linda. Um, Linda, uh, she's in London. She says, hi, Mona, there's been a lot of co controversy over the Pegasus spyware uh, over the uh, in recent months and years, but less attention has been given to the Blue Wolf technology. Can you shed light on this? Uh, now, before we do that, before you come to the, um, the question, Mona, we, we've got, I think, um, a very short uh well, I would say short, a couple of minutes, but a, a very interesting little piece from Al Jazeera on just this. I perhaps we have a look at this if we can, and then maybe you'd also like to answer the question from Linda. Even before Yasser Abomarkhiyeh presents his identification card at this Israeli checkpoint, the soldiers already know who he is. He has to cross this checkpoint to get to his house in Hebron, in the south of the occupied West Bank. Many cameras monitor his journey home, they're a part of an advanced Israeli surveillance system that includes face scanning cameras and live tracking. The cameras are so close to Yasser's house, he says his family has lost any sense of privacy. We had see-through curtains before, but I changed them after I heard an Israeli soldier say I can zoom into any house I want and see what happens inside. In addition to these cameras that have been put up by the Israeli army, just a meter down, residents tell us that Israeli settlers have put up another surveillance system here in Hebron. In 2019, the Israeli military acknowledged this non-official system exists. <laughs> Children here don't feel safe in their own homes. A few months ago, Israeli soldiers raided this house, woke the children up to take their pictures. A Palestinian sociologist says the surveillance system shows how much the Israeli occupation controls Palestinians. We are looking at a generation of Palestinians who is anxious, angry and filled with fear. They feel their lives are useless and on top of, they're asked to smile to their occupiers. The Israeli army has installed visible and hidden cameras across the West Bank and told Al Jazeera it's for security reasons. The army doesn't comment on its capabilities, but Palestinians believe there are thousands of cameras monitoring them. Recently, some Israeli soldiers revealed they've photographed Palestinians. These photos are then used for a smartphone app called Blue Wolf. The app matches the photos to the person's details in the system and alerts soldiers if the person is wanted for arrest. 
Israeli organization Breaking the Silence collected the soldiers' testimonies. The most uh, shocking thing for me, for us, was to hear that we are sending now our soldiers to compete, military units to compete against each other for who takes more photos of Palestinians in the streets. Even in their homes, Palestinians like Yasser say they feel violated. He fears Israel might use the private data to evict his family out of their house. Nida Ibrahim, Al Jazeera, Hebron, in the occupied West Bank. I mean that that's uh, that's really disturbing. It's this is the uh, this is the work of a police state actually, um, and I'm I'm guessing also that uh, some of the brave Israelis who are standing up against it and speaking out are also being uh, surveilled as well. Um, but can you tell us about this technology, uh, Mona? How widespread it is? Okay, so basically it started two years ago when they developed or launched the new initiative of surveillance. And basically it includes the, I'll, I'll speak about two wolves. The first one is the blue wolf and the other one is the white wolf. So the blue wolf basically is when the Israeli soldiers on the checkpoints are taking pictures of Palestinians and their IDs and they are sending those pictures to their database because they are archiving our pictures our ids and then this application which they call quote-unquote palestinian facebook because they are basically collecting the palestinian people data uh, basically this this um, this application is showing them again quote-unquote how dangerous this palestinian is because it kind of give them like an indicator if this person like is a security threat or not so basically they are using that actively and they are taking pictures of palestinians on the checkpoints and that started in hebron but later on it was expanded in other like west bank cities and most recently there was like a new uh, news that said like it's also being now used against foreigners who are visiting palestine so basically, this is to take pictures and to like to feed this database and to collect Palestinian people data. And when we are talking about that, it's like they are forcing Palestinians. And as as Rory from uh, from Breaking the Silence said, they are competing to take more pictures for Palestinians and and archiving that because they they ba basically they are competing about that. And la later on, we've heard that the Israeli government is mm. is uh, is forcing their soldiers to take. 50 pictures of Palestinian people uh, like IDs and collecting 50 people like uh, data before they are leaving their shift. And if they are, if they did not do so, they are not allowed to leave the shift. And that's dangerous. Like it's basically who's gonna like collect more data? Who's who's gonna uh, in uh, like also violates people's right to privacy. And this is really dangerous if we are talking about human rights and digital rights basically for Palestinians. So we are not talking about something new. It's been like, it's happening for years now, but now with, with like talking about many other kinds of surveillance, it's really intense to live under that kind of surveillance. The Mona, other thing, which is the, the white wolf. Yeah. 
the like Sorry, just briefly, the white wolf is being used by the Israeli settlers who are not like in in military. That they are just Israeli settlers who uh, basically uh, hire Palestinians who are working in the Israeli illegal settlements, and they they are taking pictures for those Palestinians before they letting them into the settlements to check if this if those Palestinians are also security threats for them or not. And this is also like part of how this state is a military state. It's a surveillance state because everyone there is surveilling on us and is spying on Palestinians. I mean, it's interesting you're saying this because it, it seemed to be much more per pervasive. The advance in technology means that there are so many different ways of, uh, of spying on people, just going about their ordinary business. But you might have thought that this would begin to alarm uh, the Israelis themselves, because uh, it might be the Palestinians now, but it may well be much of Israeli society next. So is there kind of, is there a common ground that there can be to, the, to the, this, a, a sort of fight back against this, um, this spyware, this surveillance? Uh, is there a link up between um, groups in Israel, or Israeli groups with Palestinian groups? Uh, so we we saw like um we saw like how in november when the israeli uh when the, when israel designated six of palestinian human rights organization as a terrorist organization mm -hmm. how the israeli uh, human rights organization they supported they they basically they condemned that and they supported the palestinian organizations and we saw that publicly but the issue of surveillance is not only about against palestinians it might also uh like impact or affect let's say the israelis but in totally different levels because uh, two years ago there was a, a groundbreaking uh, a groundbreaking uh, investigation that was uh, published on one of the israeli uh, media outlets that basically said that uh, the shabak uh, which is the israeli intelligence service are spying on every mo like on on the mobile phone calls for the israelis themselves since 2002 so <laughs> basically we are talking about like something like back for like 20 years back they were they were spying on the phone codes and just imagine that in 2002 social media was not there that technology and the smartphones was not as now so since then they were doing that and they are now developing and adapting their tools and because like i'm now reading a book it's called digital uh, digital militarism and i i highly encourage people to read that because it, it basically shows people how israel is being utilized like is utilizing social media to adapt their like their tools and to adapt their military services based on this kind of developed technologies so Basically, they are developing that. So it's affecting Israelis as as it's affecting Palestinians, but it's not in the same level. It's not like they are not spying on them as much as they are doing that with Palestinians because, again, there is this kind of power relation, the colonizer and the colonized, the occupier and the occupied. Mm -hmm. Well, look, uh, Mona, before we go to a, another question that's just come in, um, because the question is related to it, we've got... Uh, another short video, and this this is a, a, a film that was taken recently in Gaza of drones in action. What is up to what you're listening to, Zanel? 
الزنانة بتكون العصر لغاية نص الليل تقريبا وقت الهدوء في الليل قبل النوم هيك بخمس دقائق بيجي بده يمد حاله بده ينام صوت الزن أي لحظة تقدر تسمعها في الليل في النهار في كل لحظة الساعة 6 الصبح تسمع صوت الزنانة أكثر من صوت العصافير بالليل لما أجي أنام والكهرباء قاطعة بتهلكني أكثر وقت بسمع فيه صوت الزنانات بالليل كل وقت هي اللي على مدار الساعة موجودة في النهار يعني ممكن يكون موجودة بس مع الضوضاء بنسمعش بس هي موجودة يعني في السماء 24 ساعة لما تكون كمان قاطعة الكهرب وهدوء تام بتلاقي الزنانة بتيجي عرجع بصراحة طول الليل تقول مطور ولا مولد جنب راسك نفسي من كثر صوتهم هي مزعجه امسكها وفتشتها بايدي عن جد لما يكون الصوت يعني زياده عن حده بتحس انه انت في ممكن يصير شيء ممكن يصير عمليه اغتيال ممكن صار شغله ممكن يردوا بدهم يردوا وظلني متوتر بعدين اقول خلص بتعب يعني الزنانه معروف انه مصحوب باجواء حرب وباجواء سابقه يعني ذكريات قديمه يعني انا بخاف كثير وما بعرف انام وهيك بقلق كثير وبتوتر لما نسمع صوت الزنانه في مصيبه حتصير اما اغتيالات او قصف او دمار للبيوت هي تعمل عمدا لازعاج الناس وقلقهم Well, we can only guess what all of that um, must have uh, in terms of affecting people's mental health and their sleep and everything. But there's a question here. This is from uh, Hillary. Um, she she's, she emails, she says, uh, is surveillance against Palestinians worse in Gaza or the West Bank? And of course, those drones we've just seen in that clip were over Gaza. So the question should not be, is it worse or better? Because like there are different aspects that we are talking about when we are talking about surveillance. And it would never, ever be a good surveillance or a better surveillance because surveillance is surveillance everywhere at any time. And if we are just going to talk about, because they were talking about like uh, Gaza Strip, like... Uh, two or three months ago, a couple of months ago, there was also another report that mentioned how Israelis are putting bugs into every mobile phone that is entering Gaza Strip so they can continue to spy on people and they can have like this kind of overseeing what's happening there. So basically, they have this kind of authority to do so uh, against people who, who are living there. But if we just like go deeper in this, we can we know that Israelis are basically controlling the ICT sector in West Bank and in Gaza Strip. And Palestinians till today they don't have access to uh, to uh, to the internet. Like basically in the West Bank they have access to the three G, and in Gaza Strip they are still using two G, while Israelis are now almost using five G. So there is this kind kind of digital divide or digital apartheid that is like basically being used there and you like uh, controlling the infrastructure meaning definitely that also they can violate people's right to privacy because everything is built on their infrastructure so when we are talking about like just putting bugs or here and there and putting surveillance cameras and putting like using blue wolf or something like that it's part of their infrastructure which is basically 
like it's rooted uh, with the infrastructure, with the ICT infrastructure that we Palestinians cannot control. And if we just think like about that, that means that if, if they want to to stop or to disconnect us from the world by stopping the internet, they can do so because they are controlling the infrastructure there. And that's dangerous. That's like should alert all of us. Like when we are talking about the right to privacy, what does the right to privacy mean when they are controlling our ICT infrastructure and when they are controlling our borders and they are like just putting bugs in the new devices that are entering into the into Gaza Strip and we, who knows maybe they are doing that also in other places. So basically, it's really dangerous when we are talking about like which one is worse because we can't see this is where we can't say this is worse and this is better. Not like surveillance is also is always bad. What you're saying, Mona, they're trialing different types of surveillance in different parts of the territories, whichever gains them the most. Um, information and and by the way you know our our own experience here at palestine deep dive over the past uh, year or so has been that very often we have problems with uh, uh, linking with our guests in the palestinian territories um partly because of technical issues because they that people don't have the same access as you were saying to high speed internet and also because there there could well be disruption and just we we we're still wondering last week uh, for instance we interviewed dr Baguti, and uh, he was in Jerusalem, um, and we were really the focus was on the Al Aqsa Mosque and Dr. Baguti's, Dr. Baguti's own experiences there, uh, and um, the uh, the interview was uh, disrupted. Well, you could say there was a technical issue, but uh, we also had our own uh, technical issues ourselves um, with our own social media. So you know, it you don't have to be paranoid to to um, to think they're out to get you um, because they probably are. But look. Uh, a couple of other questions and points. Uh, Zahid Tahir, uh, he says that the, an Israeli company, um, I'm presuming it's a surveillance company, is operating in the United Kingdom, operates on the London Underground and many parts of the other UK. I, I don't know about all of that. But anyway, that's uh, Zahid's point. Mehdi Jandubi, uh, he asked a question, you know, given the digital hegemony of Israel, of the oppressors, is it still possible for people to go under the radar? Can they escape this uh, surveillance? So, based on what I wrote in my essay, I don't think so. Because, for example, a woman in Jerusalem said, for in a report that we published last year, she said, as exactly as this man in Hebron, she said, I feel those CCTV cameras are entering to my home. So basically, I'm putting my hijab inside my kitchen, inside my home. And that means that people feel that they can't, uh, they can't escape surveillance. And thinking about the panopticon or going back to the panopticon concept, when we are talking about the panopticon, we are not only talking about the physical surveillance, we are talking about the uh, surveillance effect because people start to feel that they are surveilled, that they are working on this kind of thing because they want us to feel that we are surveilled even if we are not surveilled at the moment. So we are adapting or changing our behavior based on that. So I don't think as Palestinians we can escape surveillance because as I mentioned, they are controlling the infrastructure, they are putting CCTV cameras in the streets, they are controlling the digital spaces, they are also 
taking pictures of our faces on the checkpoint. So basically, every single every single thing in our life is being militarized and securitized by their surveillance technologies. And that said, I don't think we can escape that. And if we want to dismantle that, that that means that it has like a long process to do so. And also we can, if we are thinking about that, we if we escape surveillance, we can't escape surveillance implications on our behavior and on our trust with each other as society or with others uh, based on what surveillance created, like the feel, the fear of expressing our opinion, the fear of just going out to the streets, the fear of uh, like the chilling effect. When I see someone is being oppressed or just being surveilled, a human rights defender, just being surveilled uh, using Pegasus, I'm as a human rights defender also have this kind of fear of being surveilled. And that means that I have this chilling effect and that's definitely like create this kind of fear all the time and based on that um adapting my my behavior so we can't escape uh, surveillance basically i'm just also wondering about uh, palestinians in um, in israel proper itself uh, are they under surveillance as well basically yeah because we are talking about surveillance everywhere so they are surveilled and uh, there, there is a new piece that was published like a couple of days ago about uh, the drones. And basically it said that they are using drones to uh, surveil on people who like basically participate in the protests and the West Bank, and, like in the Palestinian territory and in Israel. So basically every like Palestinians are being surveilled everywhere. Uh, and basically when we are talking about Palestinian citizens of Israel, we can also mention that they are also uh, struggling with the uh, uh, affordable and high quality internet because when we are talking about like the Arab the Arabic communities or the Palestinian communities inside uh, Israel, they are they are also struggling because okay, they have like, Israel have the 5G, but it's not really affordable and it's not really uh, for everyone. When we are talking about Palestinian communities there, they, are, they don't have like the same access as someone who's Israeli and living in, uh, in like in another, in another spot. So basically they are also exposed to the same kind of discrimination and the same kind of surveillance. Mona, I just, I mean, because time's beginning to run a little bit short, and I just wanted to ask you, though, it's a it's a quite a, a practical question, really, um, for uh, activists out there in, um, in Palestine, uh, activists around the world, people who just take an interest, people who are maybe watching this. How, how do you know whether your uh, phone has been uh, hacked into by Pegasus spyware or Blue Wolf or, or whatever it is, whatever whatever the system is. How how do you know whether your laptop or phone has been? How can you tell, and what can you do about it? Yeah, so there are some practical tools that basically a big organizations like Amnesty International who worked on Pegasus project. They prepared like a toolkit for people to tell them how they can check their mobile phones and it's highly recommended for people who doubt that they might be surveilled to check their phones they can visit amnesty international website and they can check that it's really important for all of us to check our mobile devices to see if we are hacked or not this is one thing but the other thing is there are like um, uh, digital safety tips that people should usually think about and they should like 
think about before opening any kind of suspicious links or if they have like uh, if they are using like any kind of social media or emails or any kind of communication channels they should put like the two factors authentication to make sure that but this is like it's just a small tactics but it doesn't mean that it's really protecting people because some people they are using that and when they check their phones they they discover that they are being they they being hacked because obviously these companies are de developing their tools so basically when uh, when Pegasus started it was like uh, they were sending people a suspicious links and people should click on those links to get hacked but later on they developed their tools and they started to be a zero click uh, spyware so they can hack your mobile phone your mobile phone even if you didn't click on a link and that means that those companies are developing their tools therefore people should think about changing policies and putting pressure on governments and other tech companies to make sure that they, these tools and these surveillance technologies are not invading our right to privacy and affecting our other human rights um, I wonder if we could, in, in, kind of finally Mona if we could turn to something there's a question actually from uh Hamish in Aberdeen, um, because he he asked what happened to censorship against Palestinians on social media. Um, he says, I remember last year, there's lots of censorship. Has it got worse or better? And of course, this is what we talked about the last time you came on the show. So, I mean, it's a, this is different to surveillance, but it's a kind of it's a it's a different form of control. What, what, what's been happening recently with um, social media and uh, prominent Palestinians? Have their accounts been removed? Are they being hacked? What's going on? Uh, I Last month, I published another article which basically talks about the double standards for social media companies in taking measures, serious measures, uh, when it comes to Russia, Ukraine, and when we are talking about the Palestinian case because they are still censoring Palestinian voices. And um, I don't know if people are following up, but last month they uh, basically uh, Facebook stopped uh, Al-Qastal uh, Facebook page. And Al-Qastal is a media outlet that's based in Jerusalem and they are covering like a day-to-day -day human rights violations and the news there. And you know, like over the past month, it was like, uh, like, escalations were going like on the ground and people were really uh, threatened and they were really attacked from the Israelis and at that time it was really important to have this media outlet and in Jerusalem and Facebook basically it took down this this page they restored it later on because they didn't like they restore it and we were able to we at Hamla we have uh, her which is a Palestinian digital rights observatory we 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 have reported that and we were able to restore it but to be honest that doesn't mean it's also like higher or like more or less it's about taking measures because whenever they want to take serious measures they are taking that we've seen that with the ukraine russia case we can't see that till now with the palestinian case and with other minorities and other communities so Basically, we are still censored. Our narrative is still censored. And like Al-Qastal page is one case, but there are like multi, uh, multi other cases that we usually say. And just to let people know who are like watching us now, 
we at Hamle are organizing the biggest digital activism forum. Uh, it's called the Palestine Digital Activism Forum, and it's an annual event where we are discussing like surveillance technologies, content moderation, and other among other topics that's related to the Palestinian digital rights. So if anyone is really interested in hearing more about that, they are welcome to visit our website and to register for that. It's basically www.pdaf.com. Uh, PS, and they can register there for any session that they are interested to attend because we are going to cover, like, to deep dive into these topics and to, co to cover each of them along. Well, thank you, Mona. I'm sure we'd love to try and cover that as well at Palestine Deep Dive. And uh, there's the invitation for all of you out there. Um, so please, please, please do get it, do get involved. Um, look, I think we are drawing to a close, sadly. Um, we're very, very grateful uh, to Mona for joining us today. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, also, you know, Bona, Mona's extremely busy, as you can see, but she also has time to do a lot of writing. And so there are a few links for you out there to watch and to look at. So please, please do um, and uh, follow and support her work. Uh, there we are, the Digital Activist Forum uh, is there. Hamler's Digital Activist, Activist Forum is there, the link. Uh, so look, thank you very, very much, Mona, for all of us at Palestine Deep Dive. Good luck to all to, to what you do. Please come and give us some advice about our own uh, cell phones and whether we're being hacked by Pegasus or whatever the horrors are going to be inflicted on us. Um, but thank you, Mona. Um, you know, we'll keep in touch. We'd love you to come back on the show again. Thanks to all of you who sent in your questions. And uh, Marilyn Walmsley says thank you very much. Um, thank you, Marilyn. And thank you to all of you. And until next time, goodbye. Thank you for hosting me. And it's really my pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you.